Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That is the theme of our show. That's the way reason we started it, right? <laughs> yes, sir. That's Weird. the way I would call it. I just bit my tongue because I was at my tax guy for three hours. And I didn't have any nicotine gum. I ran home to do this podcast. I grabbed nicotine gum. I ran in my office. I turned it on. And I waited 15 minutes for you guys to come on. Uh, let me see. Exactly <laughs> uh, two minutes you waited. <laughs> 824 to 826. Oh, God. I think you were thinking 15 texts. <laughs> but I, two, two hours with no nicotine gum is like a junkie without heroin. Oh so, Dude. so let me throw this idea at you because we've drifted far afield from our theme of, uh, Oxycont of fentanyl and Oxycontin overdose death rates rising. I think that's why we started this podcast. That's not why we do it anymore. We do it because of the Ohana Fest and Eddie Vedder and Smitty and concerts and music all around the world brought to you by Live Nation. Correct? That's right. I went yeah. to a Live Nation show just the other night, uh, My Morning Jacket and uh, Fleet Foxes. And um, I'm telling well, that's you. That's a couple of blasts from the past, huh? My morning jacket's great, but let me tell you. Yeah. See, you can't you can't do that if you're dead from fentanyl. You can't go to a concert. No, good point. Cannot. You can't. You cannot. Do they listen? They must listen. In heaven, they're listening in heaven, <laughs> and they're they're regretting. They're having regret in heaven, saying, "God damn it, I should know Dean died on fentanyl. I should have been at the My Morning Jacket concert. Huh, no shit. Brought to you yeah. by Live Nation. Brought to you <laughs> by Live Nation." <laughs> <laughs> so man, I'm, I just can't get over this Ohana Fest. I said it to my wife the other day. We're driving, like you know, Ohana Fest is coming up. They got talk about overkill. This is like overkill. Yeah. Like I would yeah, go yeah. just hey hey I just I would just go see the Pretenders and Eddie and Josh. Oh, thank you for my toast. Thank you so much. I'm gonna eat it. Okay. Uh, did I, who, right, brought, so who brought you toast? I, who was that? Idris, Idris, two and a oh, half years old, just sweet. talking up a storm. So listen, I would go just to see the pretenders and Eddie and Josh and Andrew Watt. If that was the only thing playing and like other bands like Cape Town or whatever that I like, the Foo Fighters and the Killers, like this is overkill. Anyways, <laughs> like... I know that the, 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 the forum holds 17,000 people and uh, they sell that out easily. This is Ohana Fest is 13,000. Father John Ohana Misty Fest. could sell out the forum. He's playing too. And anybody that doesn't go to this thing that lives in Southern California is an idiot. I'll just say it right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, damn for, two, for two or three hundred <laughs> bucks, you can for two or three hundred bucks, you can go see the killers and Eddie Vedder and the pretenders. And Father John Misty and the Foo Fighters. I just, it's overkill. But what I wanted to talk about was concerts in general. So I got a bunch of requests because I'm, you know, somebody who's really important in the concert business's best buddy. So all these parents started contacting me about four months ago. Hey, I know it's really hard. Is there any way that? Um, Taylor Swift, blah, 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 Taylor Swift, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Right? Taylor yeah. Swift requests coming in these vague ways. 
And here's the thing. I used to be more cynical. As I got older, I got nicer, believe it or not, people. Imagine what an asshole I must have been 20 years ago. So yeah, I'm nicer I because I know I know <laughs> that that you know you don't always talk to everybody. I used to say, oh, I only hear from people when Coachella is coming around, like three weeks before Coachella. I used to be very cynical about it, but now I'm not. Like I understand that people are desperate to take their kids to go see the newest it girl, which is Taylor Swift. It was Beyonce. It was Madonna. It was this. It was that. And I understand the desperate, you know, the, that you want to, your kids to see their favorite artists and stuff. Oh yeah. It, but when it, an artist, when an artist is charging $7,000 for a ticket, fuck that artist. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> or are you saying Bruce Springsteen charges too yeah, much? Fuck, fuck <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. And you know, <laughs> I'm the biggest boss fan in the world. Overrated. Yeah, oh, it's, it's the sliding scale. It's the marketplace, whatever. So I, Went to a concert that was, you know, expensive for me, right? That I had to pay for. And I went on the Live Nation website and they had this great thing. I was ready to pay, uh, I don't mind saying who it was, uh, it was Kraftwerk. I think it was an uh, AXS actually uh, concert. So I went on the website. I'm like, I don't care. I want Sid to see Kraftwerk. I don't think they're ever going to play again. She loves Kraftwerk. She loves that song, We Are the Robots. Bum, 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 bum. So me and Sid went to San Diego because I knew don't go to LA. It's going to be 10 times as much money. Go to San Diego, bought front row tickets, right? Just clicked on it. Okay, front row Kraftwerk, once in a lifetime thing. At the end, when you're paying, and I was ready to pay the $700 or whatever it was, it was like $375 a ticket or whatever. It gave me this option to pay over 12 months. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I might be dead in five months. So that's great that's a, for me. Yeah. That's that's a, every time option. you can do that, do it. Hit that button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Buy stuff so, on time for sure. So, we're at that age. They obviously that didn't must... look at your ID, Bob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or my, or my liver enzymes. But let me tell you something. That must be how these ticket prices are going up, Chuck. Do you know what I'm saying? If if Taylor Swift is seven thousand dollars, you want to take your kid, your daughter, and it's fourteen thousand dollars. Paying a thousand dollars a month is doable for like rich people, I think. Well, you know, right? that's that's PayPal, Bob. PayPal does that thing. You paid with PayPal. No, it's a thing called Clarnia because I did it and I've been paying them for a year. Oh, I think yeah. I just finished paying it. And it was, you know, huh. it was set, whatever it was, $65 a month or something. You, you, right? know, you know, what's funny is that there's there's those those tickets that are unreasonable. Because I've been looking at a lot of the shows coming up. Like Morgan Wallen. Alice Cooper. Was, Morgan and, Wallen and, was. Alice Cooper's $400. I know. There's there's Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie. Like, if you're, if you're getting good seats, they it's cost $400. way too much. But I if know. you if you get the crummy seats, which I, I knew a lot of people that went to Metallica, I didn't because I'm not a big fan. But a lot of people at Metallica got gifted freaking better seats when they showed up because those high priced ones in the front aren't going. Yeah, that's SoFi. I know they play SoFi. I hate to tell play? you, but yeah. that's not going to happen with Taylor Swift. Yeah, they're right. gonna, yeah, it's all going to be packed. Anyways, and not to pick on her, like I'm saying, she's just the newest it girl. I remember. You know, John Seidel, friend of the program, I think Seidel's been on, hasn't he? John Seidel was friends with 
Sean Penn. And Sean Penn was married to Madonna. And I remember like Madonna, like you think, you think Taylor Swift is a big deal? Half the world hasn't ever even heard of her. Everyone on earth heard of Madonna. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And I remember her tickets were like $300 and people were like, fuck Madonna, $300. Who's going to pay $300 <laughs> to see Madonna? So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now you're talking about $7,000 tickets. It's insane. <laughs> what, year, what year was that? What year was that? It was the year that Sean Penn got uh, arrested and was in jail. He was in jail so for was, months. It was, so it was 80s, right? Yeah, 80s. And the $300 tickets. But okay, I mean, so that was outrageous. Like $1,200 And now. so I remember I was yeah. going out. I'm not going to say the movie star's daughter that I was going out with, but I was going out with a movie star who's recently passed away like four years well, you're ago. You're going to say the name. Gonna I'm not going to say the name. <laughs> Come yeah, on, say the name. He might have oh, yeah. been an easy rider, but I'm not going to say the name. <laughs> so, uh-huh. he, so he's friends with Sean Penn, and he didn't like me at all. He thought his daughter should not be with a drug addict, even though he was a drug addict for 30 years. They got make sense of that. And uh, so he, he took my girlfriend at the time, uh, Mike remembers, and he just pulled in front of our house. And I remember watching her walk out to his car to go to the Madonna concert that everyone was talking about, $300 tickets. And she went with her dad and I sat at home and smoked crack, which is a better, <laughs> it's better. I know. I don't, I, yeah. which I don't would know. I prefer? You're... Would I have preferred in 1988 to go see Madonna or smoke crack by myself at home with nobody nagging me? Definitely smoke crack. And Definitely. the problem is, is you can't smoke crack at the concert. Sure, yeah, you can. You know, that's the problem. <laughs> well, nowadays, nowadays you can. You can do it anywhere you want nowadays. Exactly. But back in the day, you couldn't do it. Um, though I did smoke crack in the sports arena. What are you bringing me now? Oh, double shot. Thank you so much, Idris. You're the little guy Idris that likes bringing brings you a double back. shot. Now, shut the door. Thank you. So, I, the night I sang the national anthem uh, at the sports arena for the Clippers, that's kind of legendary. I kind of screwed it up. I smoked crack inside the sports arena. They gave me this little room to wait to go do the national anthem or after rehearsal or whatever. I smoked crack in there, and I thought, I'm going to get arrested for sure. But I was so nervous to do the national anthem, I thought getting arrested might be a good thing right now then I wouldn't have to sing the song. <laughs> you know, and, and crack really does calm your nerves. It does. So, calm you know, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's known to be soothing. Soothing is smooth. Is there crack anymore? I'm so old. Is there crack? Yep. Can you buy crack? Yeah, but not very many people are doing it. Why? Oh, God, it's great. Such a, such a great drug. I, 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 my prediction... Don't die podcast prediction. Crack will make a comeback sometime soon. I mean, it'll because, ruin your fucking drug career in a fucking month. <laughs> well, yeah, meth does a pretty good job of that. But anyways, getting back to concerts, everybody should go to this Ohana Fest. I don't, I don't see how they can sustain this. Who plays next year? Led Zeppelin and <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, bud. And more. You got more coming. We need more chocolate in here. Yeah. Okay, I'll get it. I'll get it. Can you put, give it to Mama, and then I'll I'll deal with it later. Those are chocolate chips going there for the pancakes that we make. I just a big fan of chocolate chip pancakes. Oh in the yeah, morning. those are very. He's fun, nervous. Man. He's nervous because he just saw the container that holds the chocolate chips and it's empty. 
He's running around oh. like, well, what, what's going to happen tomorrow? What, what, what the <laughs> fuck? You can see him putting his little things together. But I mean, I, I don't see how they, what are they, does Queen get back together? Does like, what comes next? That for would be a fact? little tough. This is crazy. Yeah. The Killers, Foo Fighters, Pretenders, Father John Misty. Like, this is crazy. Anyways, everybody's got to go. We're going to be there. Um, but I wanted to talk about this. So I'm also trying to work in television, which is very hard because there's a strike. And somebody proposed to do a TV show about concerts. And so I was thinking, you know, one thing that all us old people do, which my kids are sick of, uh, especially Elvis, who's listening to this podcast. Uh, shout out to Elvis. Uh, hey, Elvis. They hate when we <laughs> talk about the great concert that we went to. But Aww. all old old people do it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. I noticed that the new generation, just like we went to Black Pink on Saturday night, the kids have already forgotten they saw it, right? <laughs> they they like they, now kids nowadays they just forget in like four in like four um, in like four days. I you know uh, Sydney wanted something. It was her first day of school today, and whatever she wanted something, and I was like, no, no, no. You know, you just saw Black Pink on Saturday night, and she's like, looked at me in this blank thing, like, what's that got to do with today? <laughs> well, that's not all bad, but they, but, they it, all, but it isn't a great big event. They are constantly living in the now. They do not live in nostalgia. And I think that's all that goes all the way through to millennials. I don't think millennials have a favorite concert. Their favorite concert is the next concert they're going to go to. Yeah. Right. That's true. Bob. I don't, that's I don't a great that observation. They, I don't think they, but us old guys. So I thought we could that's do all a we got TV is show. Nostalgia. <laughs> I, think I thought we could do a talk show TV show about, you know, like musicians' favorite concerts that they either played or that they went to. And so, because I always say, and I don't know if Mike was there, he might have been there, the greatest concert I ever saw that was life-changing, that, that I went into a room, Chuck, and I was one person, Bobby Forrest from Huntington Beach, and I came out of that room, Bob Forrest. And it was a two-hour concert, and it was the clash at the Roxy, and the, and London Calling was about to come out in a week, and they played all of London Calling. It was insane. Darby Crash was mm. there. I remember it was it was Darby Crash was there. It was his a big posse. Deal. Yeah, it, it was, was really the big biggest deal. It was and the it was a few nights. It was a it was a it was a couple of nights. But I I went and they played. They opened with London Calling, then they played. The second song from London Calling. They played the entire, most of the songs off London Calling. And you hadn't really heard it yet. It was just amazing. It was amazing. So these life-changing concerts, I wondered if you guys had life-changing concerts. First, Chuck, what's your life-changing concert? If you say Offspring, you might not be on the podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love noodles, and I do like their shows. Dude, you, can, you need to see what they're doing now. But the and uh, if anybody the says Thelonious Monster was a life changing concert, don't trust them; they're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know my first big real concert experience was Kiss at Anaheim Convention Center, and it was huge. It was a big deal because I saw I, I stepped away from Kiss the albums. I'm wearing a Kiss shirt. Can you see this? Oh Dude, yeah, I couldn't see it before. Yeah, but I mean that that was like one of those things where I uh, I. I did not, I had never been, I'd seen bands and little things, but I walked into that and it was huge. And it was so many people and they all love Kiss as much as I did. And it was so cool. At the Anaheim, Con wait a minute, the Anaheim Convention Center across from Disneyland? 
Yeah. That's all they were playing. I saw them. I was. I saw them in Anaheim Stadium. Were that's they what I saw. On their way down. Oh no! Were they on their in way 70, down? It was. It was seventy nine. Yeah, was, I saw uh, them in like Love Gun seven. Era. Yeah, I well, I saw, I saw Destroyer at Anaheim Stadium. So they were kind of bom- bombing, right? They're like going. They're going from Anaheim Stadium to the Anaheim Convention Center. That's not going yeah, in the did, right they, direction. They did. That's they in they the did, wrong direction. They did three nights. And it was the return of Kiss. I remember because I had oh, to so. cut out the picture from my newspaper. It had a big picture. It said the return of Kiss. And when they added the third night, that's the one I was able to get tickets for because my folks wouldn't buy. Yeah, there was no like, money in our I'll house. I bet you the tickets were like $12.50. I went to that I, I think, one at I think Anaheim that was Stadium, Bob. I think Blue Oyster Cult opened up or something, didn't they? That might have been. A, the, the Kiss one I saw was Ted Nugent. It was Ted Nugent, and it was Rex. Remember the guy Rex Smith? He had a band called Rex. I think it was and um, Kiss. Ted Nugent might have been Bob Seger. There were so many great bands back then. See that, that, that's City. that's a that's a full. See, they only played. There was a band opening for them that night called Breathless. And that was the only uh, that was the only other band on the bill. So maybe that's like, what Ohanafest is trying to do. They're trying to get back to the Anaheim Stadium overkill. Because I saw I saw a show at Anaheim Stadium. It was like Leonard Skinnerd, and they weren't even the headliner. It was somebody else's the headliner. Like that, you know, I saw the 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 the, the Sammy Hagar weekend show was uh Sammy Hagar opening, Van Halen second. Black Sabbath with Ozzy third and Boston was the headliner. That's overkill. I guess maybe Ohana Fest, maybe, yeah, maybe they're trying to return back to the Anaheim Stadium overkill shows. Well, you know, over, overkill or just not a lot of filler. I mean, the thing, the thing about those, those shows is they're, they're going all day. And I've seen things during the day at Ohana Fest that I thought were amazing. That weren't even um, when I saw I Led knew. Zeppelin, how about this? When I saw Led Zeppelin, it was Heart when they had Barracuda. Barracuda, Heart opened, then Judas Priest, and Rob Halford rode out on a motorcycle, and then Led Zeppelin at Oakland Coliseum. I saw it two days in a row, day on the green with Led Zeppelin. Hmm. Hmm. So, that's, anyways, that's concerts, and I wondered, you know. Mike, what I'm I'm scared to ask what your life changing concert is because it's going to be something weird, uh, uh, Chuck. It's going to be. Go ahead, Mike. What was your life changing concert? <laughs> it's going to be like some band at the Surf Theater in Huntington Beach, like Alucard at Surf Theater. <laughs> no, no, no. I was into Kiss. I went to that Kiss concert that you're that at Anaheim, and I, I guess maybe. I went to two concerts that summer that was there at, at the Anaheim Stadium. One was the Rolling Stones, and I think that's when Blue Oyster Cult, they did they, on the Start Me Up tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? I think that and was then, 1980. But then, oh, okay, but well, they then, did, then maybe but they it was did three. some girls. I saw some girls tour at Anaheim Stadium. And he had the red hat on that he wore on Saturday yeah, Night Live. Exactly. Yeah, that was, that was the some girls tour. Then Start Me Up was called the steel wheels tour. I remember that because they opened with start me up. Keith Richards came out. That's funny because I remember that because people were calling it the steel wheelchairs tour. And how long ago was that? And they're still doing it. <laughs> yeah. That was like 80. 
That was like in 1980. <laughs> 40 that was 40, years ago. <laughs> uh, 43 years ago, the Rolling Stones were be ca being called old. Yes. <laughs> and they're still around. All right. So <laughs> here's my earliest one in 1970, either 70, 72, 73, 74, maybe like that. I saw David Bowie at the Palladium. You did? How'd you get there? Who drove you? We were only about, you know, 13, 14. And we, me and this girl, Vicky Strain, loved David Bowie. And uh, we went. How did you get there? How did you get there? We got dropped off by parents, man. And we went in. Your parents let you go see an androgynous gay oh, guy yeah. in 1972? Yeah, they, they oh, that's like. not. I didn't know what you were doing. Nowadays, they, <laughs> they, they would do that. Nowadays, no, nowadays the they'd would, have to take you. Yeah, they'd have to take you. It'd be, <laughs> it'd be a law. <laughs> yeah, they'd go to jail if they didn't take Listen, you. Listen, my mom, my mom went to see like a lot of black jazz artists in um in L.A. at the Whiskey. Like her whole fifties, you know, they were just her. My her and my dad were beatniks. Um, my mom took me to my first concert at five, and it was Mahalia Jackson at the at the um, uh, Long Beach Arena, and it, we were only like five years old and we were probably one of 20 white people in the crowd wow it's crazy yeah and long beach arena i used to go to all the time me and keith keith morris was going there when he was like 12 years old there was like iron butterfly and blue cheer played the long beach arena That's did you know that? the you ramones know played with black sabbath the ramones played with black sabbath i remember yeah. that i, I went saw to that Richie I saw Richie Blackmore's Rainbow with Van Halen opening at and at uh, Long Beach Arena. Is the Long Beach Arena still exist? It does, but it doesn't have concerts in the arena part. It has dance stuff, and then um, all the rock bands are over in the terrace. So, anyways, the 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 thing was that I noticed with my kids and like so we're standing in line going into dodger stadium for black pink and sydney started this conversation k-pop people are very friendly and this couple is saying oh is this your first time you're seeing black pink and she just looked at him and said no it's my fourth time fourth yeah. time she's seven years old she's seen black pink her favorite band her second favorite band four times and elvis admitted because i didn't think elvis wanted to go like, I was like, are you sure you want to go to this thing? And he's like, yeah, I like Blackpink, Dad. Because I thought he just goes because Sid goes, right? Right. No, he, he yeah, likes Blackpink. And then I had this epiphany with the back-to-back -back Saturday night uh, Blackpink and Monday night uh, My Morning Jacket and, and, and Fleet Foxes. Rock and roll needs to start taking some cues from, from pop music. It really does. Because it's boring as shit. If you go to K-pop shows or pop shows, it's like, it's like, oh my God, it's another oh my God moment because they have the lights and they make it just so crazy. And rock musicians think that that you, we should be blown away by their exceptional musicianship, right? Yeah. Nobody really, nobody really cares about musicianship anymore. And I was looking at the guitar player in my morning jacket, and he's good. But then I was in my mind, I always compare things to Frusciante and Josh, and you know, it's just like, you know, it's like, you know, one A and one A B, and like that kid's not as good as Josh and John. 
He's just not. And so if you're going to like impress us with your guitar solos, it'd be better if you had some dancers too. Do, 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 I'm telling you, every Black Pink song has dancers and yeah. they're gyrating and they got chairs flying and they got videos. Next time we play, Bob, we should have dancers with pots on their heads, like flower <laughs> pot hats and stuff. That was Love and Rockets, the flower pot man. Oh, but then I noticed another thing in the comparison. I understand My Morning Jacket is probably one of my 10 favorite bands right the last 10 years. But I saw the the fragility of rock music why rock music is falling and sliding away right where it's not it's not a, a social it's not important to young people rock music it's not so why is it that pop music taylor swift black pink um pink what why are all these pop stars dominating the culture it's because rock music fails to evolve it really does fail to evolve when I was watching My Morning Jacket, it could be just like when I saw the band without Robbie Robertson at the Golden Bear. It could be the same as seeing Van Halen, you know, at Anaheim State. It's all the same. It's the same. Rock music has not evolved. And pop music has. <clears throat> and that's I, you know why, what I'm saying? That's why Beck was so cool. His The visuals he's got on this tour, I just saw him a, a month ago. Yeah, that was and great. He, 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 he is he one of puts on he gets show. it he does he gets it well flea says it too like because you know not that the chili peppers are rolling stone level age but they are you know my age and and flea gets so exhausted after a show and i was sitting there with him in san diego like this like four years ago i said you know you don't have to do that you know hour and a half of jumping around every second rolling over doing handstands and i don't think you have to do that <laughs> I said, I don't think you have to do that anymore because you just, he's so exhausted. He sits in this silver blanket and he just sits there like, just like no energy, like trying to reconstitute himself. And I said, I don't think you have to do that anymore. And he said, Bobby, I have to, what are you doing? I said, Oh my gosh, what is that? Oh, my chicken. Thank you. Oh, so I said, thank you, Sydney. Though, well, we had dinner was going and I had to do this. So, um, so let me tell you what he said. He said, Bobby, some at every concert, there's some amount of the kids out there that came to see Flea be Flea. And I'm not gonna mm -hmm. disappoint them. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. And exactly. I thought, and I thought, man, other rock bands need to care like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They need to they need to put on a show. Stop all this stuff, you know, shoegazing. It's not shoegazing, it's just like I'm going to walk to the front and do my solo. Okay, I'm going to sing, you know, this very heavy part. Like, it's just playing the songs is not enough anymore. Not when you're up against Taylor Swift. It's not. Rock music is going to, rock music is going to fall away by the wayside. I'm telling you. You know, and you, you brought up, uh, you brought up Offspring, but like the last time we saw them was just like a month and a, it was the same, same week as Beck, same week as Ziggy Marley, same week as, uh, trombone shorty we had a busy week but before the show there's a big like pre-show countdown thing and there's the blimp going around and there's all this it, there was a multimedia event and it was uh, they took it to the next level i think because you have to saying, do that rock if you have don't to do that 
you, especially if you're going to charge that for, if you're going to charge as much as people do for tickets, you better be more than just five people standing on a stage performing your song. Yeah. So let me tell, let me add this. And this is an evolution of thought because I used to say it's just about songs. It doesn't fucking matter. It's all bullshit. It's about songs. It's, it's not because my morning jacket has probably it. My morning jacket has two of my probably hundred favorite songs one for sure a song called golden it's one of my favorite songs of all time don't say your favorite because elvis will get mad black pink does not have any of my favorite songs (laughs) but they 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 keep your interest for an hour and 20 minutes you you can't stop watching it it's like heroin you can't stop it's just like, what are they going to do next? And what are they going to do next? Another thing was, I noticed about Blackpink is they have like, Mike, you know, like you write a song and it starts, it has its own kind of, it just evolves like a flower into its own thing, right? They, yeah. K-pop and pop music is not satisfied with that. It, ev- it has four things. I'll give you an example. So Blackpink has a song that goes, and it's like a ripoff of whatever, Tin Pan Alley kind of thing. And then it goes into a rap. Lisa raps in the beginning. And then they sing, a, you know, a regular chorus part. So it's like three songs in one. It's got this this kind of, I don't know, it's kind of cheesy. Right? Then it has a rap part. Then it has a common <laughs> pop rock chorus. And mm-hmm. then it has this other part that's so beautiful that I think the the Rose girl sings. It goes, it's been such a long time since I get it right. There. In the same song. It's four songs in one song. And the and the chorus, the the whatever she sings, this part is so good. Fifty-five thousand people sing along with it. There was nobody singing along at my morning jacket. Even huh. though they know all the songs. So something about rock music, and I and I apply this to a lot of the bands. Like, you need to know what we used to know when we had the Lonely Sponsor. People say, why do you act so crazy? Why do you not sing your songs? Why do you? I say, because it's called show business. We're putting on a show. If you want to listen to the songs, buy the record. We're putting That's on right. a fucking show. This is life or That's death. Right. You're walking on stage to put on a show. It's an honor. It's a tradition for a thousand years. You're fucking putting on a show. You're not just playing your fucking record for people. And rock musicians need to realize that. That's mm-hmm. the end of my... You see, Bobby, um, I had the same brain. philosophy as Flea back in those days. I had when a reputation. People wanted to see you die on stage. They wanted to see me go drunk and fucking hired and shit on stage. Is that why you did all that, that, Mike? (laughs) I was just giving them what they wanted, Bob. (laughs) He's a showman through and through. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and some people, yeah, Darby Crash took that to the extreme. I think, (laughs) I think Jeffrey thought that, I think Jeffrey thought that for years that, but, um, you know, a musician friend of mine said, you know, and this is, this is something about music in general. He said, you know, I don't like these uh, false, falsely humble rock stars like Bono and Bruce Springsteen. They're not humble. They're just acting humble. The term rock star is not a humble term. 
What you're yeah. doing for a living has no amount of humility. It's you're getting on a stage, you're having people char- charging people enormous amounts of money to say, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, watch <laughs> me, I'm so talented, look at me, look at me. So act like you're humble. You know, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page were not humble. Mick Jagger mm. is not a humble person. He's not humble. He's fucking Mick Jagger. Right. right? He looks... <laughs> but, but the term rock star is is the antithesis of humble guy. But somehow right. there's these rock stars that came along that acted like humble. Like Kurt Cobain was not humble. Like, you know what I mean? Rock stars are not supposed to be humble. They're supposed to be rock stars. So who are not humble these days, Chuck? Rappers. Rappers are not humble. And rappers, rappers are the new rock stars. They really are. Well, that you was I mean? that was a thing I saw on a forum somewhere that said, "Who's the most punk band that isn't considered a punk band?" And it was all rap. You know, people were going, "These right. guys don't give a fuck. These guys say oh. what they think. Oh, I can they tell they you. shoot from the hip, and they've got attitude, and they've got so enemies, had, and they don't care." I had Easy E's record, and I knew about the NWA record that it was coming out and we were on tour and I, and it, and it was coming out on a Tuesday, like records used to come out. And I was like, I have to get this NWA CD. Right. And it, I went to a record store when we were on the road, somewhere in the Midwest and I got it and I played it in my CD player in the hotel. And I was like, and I made everyone listen. I come to my room. You got to hear this. This is the most punk rock thing since the Sex Pistols. This is by far. NWA, straight out of Compton, was by far the most punk rock thing that had happened since the Sex Pistols. Yeah. And no one saw it. They're like, ah, no. You know, because everyone well, was locked because, in. There. Because punk, because rock punk had, had a costume it. and yeah, a sound. A costume it doesn't and a have, sound. But it's not supposed to have a costume or a sound. That's not the you know point what? of it. Yeah. And let's figure out the evolution of where the punk rock sound comes from, because I think Southern California plays a big role in it. Um, to me, the most definitive, coolest punk rock sound is not the Sex Pistols, actually. It's the Ramones, right? How come right. no bands sound like the Ramones? They all sound like bad religion. They don't sound <laughs> like the Ramones. Because Mike and I, Mike and I had the luxury of going on the Warp Tour one summer and hearing 100 punk rock bands every day for weeks and weeks. And I'm telling you, there was no part of the Ramones in those bands. It was all bad religion or SoCal punk. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. How did it go from the definitive sound of punk rock is, is, Blitzkrieg bop to me. That's that you say. What is punk rock? Blitzkrieg bop. How come what became known clichéically and in the mainstream world as punk rock sounds like bad religion? Why is that? I don't know, but happen? I don't like it. I have no you, idea. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? Right? Exactly. I do know what you're talking about. How did it become? I, I that? think I think bad religion did some great work, but everybody that tried to be them. It's just like anytime something breaks, that's great. Everybody tries to be them. But I think I think with the Ramones, they were doing things to the best of their ability. And that's what I liked about it. It's, I mean, there were no leads. The songs were short. No, but, but what about, no, but what is the definitive thing? You guys are going by the music. I go by the singing. Joey Ramone sang. 
Greg Griffin, whatever his name is, doesn't sing. He talks sings. Keith doesn't sing. He talks sings. Yeah. Right? Joey Ramone was singing. SoCal yeah. punks were not singing. They were talk singing. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not criticizing it. There's great talk singers. Keith's one of the greatest talk singers that ever lived, right? On the bat, they have a nervous breakdown. That's that's a talking You cadence. can tell, yeah. They have definitive voices. Like, you know, the Orange County sound, really, to me, I, I think the crowd is one of the most original-sounding bands I've ever heard out of punk rock, ever. You know, and also yeah, the adolescents. The adolescents and do. the crowd. And, uh, well, you know, and like you said. Well, so you're just saying or, the Beach the Beach Boulevard album is what you're saying. Well, no, it had well, Rick, Rick L. Rick a, on it. I don't think that's Rick really fit the bill. The that, <laughs> that's my favorite song on that record. I just got back from the meat house. I don't think it really fits the bill, but I think that was put on because... Posh Boy was friends with Rick, and you know, I mean, he felt like oh, Posh Boy is. I wonder if he's still alive. Yeah, he is. He lives in England. He is. Yep. Oh, does he? Yeah. I used to hang out with Posh Boy and Rodney Bingenheimer at Tiny Nailers on the corner of La Brea and Sunset. I was like 18 years old, and I felt like I was amongst royalty. Yeah. Right. And then I'd go. And then I'd go talk to like John Curry, who was. John Curry was in the crowd too. No, he's Flyboys no, and oh, Flyboys, Flyboys. Yeah, pre just and, pre crowd. Yeah, that, that's one of my favorite OC punk songs. Like a serenade in the sky, and the girls all wonder why. Like a serenade. Now that's a Ramones melody, Chuck. Mm. Well, they it, love fifties rock. I mean, but they just they just tighten it up. Sped it so up, it was, tightened it up. So that so the Flyboys was John Curry Decker and how many of the other two? No, crowds? no, no. Jim Decker was the singer for the for the, for the crowd only. Who was the singer? The singer he of didn't Flyboys? do anything. He didn't do anything in Flyboys because every once in a while, Jim K. Even when we're just messing around, we do the Flyboys theme. Oh, I. You know what? I'm not entirely sure, but I thought he. You know, I don't I have thought, my computer. I'm sitting on the couch because I'm beat, so I don't have my. I don't my Decker, here, but I, yeah. I thought Jim I, Decker was in the Flyboys. I thought I thought for some reason I'm thinking he was. I thought he was. So, anyways, was we're going back, but somewhere along the line, things hiccuped from the the sound of punk rock being the Ramones and to a lesser extent the Sex Pistols and the Clash to being SoCal punk, and SoCal punk is what got emulated and copied. Over and over again, like a Xerox oh, yeah, that got, machine. That got Xerox. Yeah, for, and every yeah, generation over and over Xerox and over. is a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. and I think why Green Day stood out is because they sounded more like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and the Clash than any of the punk rock bands coming yeah. out. When I first heard them, I didn't even know what the hell it was. It sounded like it was like lost recordings from another time because it was like early nineties, and yeah, it sounded it sounded like th this is this is what it is. There were no leads. It was. Oh, did fast. I tell you it that? Was, I, I tell you the most fucked up thing that happened, and lots of you guys know more than our audience does about how fucked up my life has been for four months now. But the storm, Hillary, that I was making fun of. It um the roof of of my uh place in Palm Desert came oh, off. Oh yeah, and the, yeah. We uh, talked yeah. about that you on the last one. What happened? Yeah, when but, you went but, out there. But now it's asbestos. We can't go there. We can't so, even go in to get our stuff out. Because I went down there and I said I got to get a bunch of stuff out. And there's like it's all sealed off with like 
tape and you can't go in the apartment. It's a condemned, it's a condemned thing. And I said, well, how the restoration people, first the asbestos people have to come in and get all the asbestos out. I said, well, how much asbestos is in there? And they, she said, well, I don't know how much, I, I don't know. I said, well, how long does it take to get the asbestos out? And then is my stuff or our bed or our bedding, is everything just soaked in asbestos now? Like, they don't even tell you anything. Like, they're just like, they, didn't, they didn't take pictures or and send yeah, you anything? Yeah, I, I, I sent you guys pictures. No, I them. was there. I was there the day after. Now they're stripping all the walls off of it, I think, because it's all asbestos. You should get a lawn chair and go sit out in front of it and wait. But uh, the, the reason why I'm thinking is because <laughs> I had been at a record store in Palm Desert and they had the Operation Ivy first record and I bought it. Mm on you know sealed and i hadn't opened it and it was one of the records that was all waterlogged and soaked so i had to throw away the operation ivy first record i never even really heard it but people talk about operation that look ivy out? like yes look out yeah, yeah yeah that you know that the sound system and songs like that are really cool it's just like super raw i mean it's a super sped up raw like it's very similar to some of the early rants and stuff, but it's much faster and much more raw. Because is it like fishbone you know, though? What's happening, Elvis? You want to be on the podcast? Uh, here, Elvis, say hi to yourself on the podcast when you listen to. What shirt are you wearing? Um, oh, Egypt. I I listened to it like four times in fifth grade, and every time you're like. Have you caught Have you listened to all the episodes yet? You, <laughs> <laughs> you mean to tell me he's only listened to it four times? <laughs> In fifth grade? <laughs> he That's when it. he was a kid. He doesn't listen That's to that kid, kid shit anymore. Well, he's Elvis, you up. should listen more because Bob talks about you all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he listens more. I don't know why. See, teenagers are weird. I don't remember Elijah being this weird as a teenager. Elijah was oh, like older. Like when he, when Elijah was like twelve, he was more like he was twenty. He's like, Dad, where sober? are we going? <laughs> huh? Were you sober? Yeah, I was sober. Hmm. He would he would he would say, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go um with these guys to uh to San Francisco. And I'd be like, are you sure you should be doing that? You're twelve years old. And he goes, Yeah, I'm good, I'm cool. And he would just leave for two days. I don't know that. I think that you go to jail for that now, right? This is in 1998. <laughs> Do you go to jail for that? If you let your 12-year-old go with older kids to San Francisco well, for the weekend? Trip, man. It's such a trip because, we, you know, when we... But wasn't he older? Down, Mike, didn't he seem older when he was like 12 totally or 13 same, or 14? He older and more mature. But you remember he lived at that house with all those people on Long Beach Boulevard? Oh, the movie Victorian trap. House. The movie trap. <laughs> There was like there was like seven nine people living there. It was like insane. I told That's the story, cool. right? I told the crazy story with one kid OD'd, and then uh, Colleen, Elijah's mom, called me and said, "You got to get over there." And I was like, "To the booby trap?" And she, he's like, "She's like, yeah, they're they're getting drunk. They're gonna go beat up the person who sold Brent the drugs." And I was like, why is this my job? <laughs> like, so it I go sounds like there. they've got it under control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Like that's a solution. So I had to no, Chuck, you know, you're a drunk counselor. So I go over there, Elijah's drunk, like two of his buddies are drunk, some of the girls are drunk, they're just sitting in the living room and they're gonna they know the guy's name who sold the heroin to the kid who died, and they're gonna go kick his ass. And I I ran basically a dr- a group with the with drunk booby trap livers, convincing them <laughs> that the better thing to do would be to mourn the loss and process their feelings about losing their best friend and stuff like that, than go beat someone up. And they didn't go beat him up. I felt very proud of that. I did that's a group. Up. I did a group with a bunch of drunk kids at the booby trap. That's the right. That's the right way. I do love the calls, though. I do love the hey. I need you to. I need you to go fix this. And it's just like you know, there's. Well, like I don't we have superpowers. Yeah, but you got to Yeah, but you well, did. Yeah, you fixed Drug it. Drug counselors do know things that other normal people don't know how to handle. Right. Another time, I go there to pick him up one time, and he's like, I'm not. They all had deadbolts on their locks. They would like lock themselves in their rooms. <laughs> that place was a trip. The booby trap. So so I'm knocking on on. Elijah's door and it's he's got a bolt locked on the inside and he's not waking up so I'm sitting in the I don't know if you remember Mike have you ever been there the yeah. living room was like a concert hall they yeah. had a PA in it and everything. I'm sitting in there and this kid walks from downstairs it's like 9 in the morning he walks into the kitchen and gets a beer and cracks it and and, and is drinking it and says hello Mr. Forrest and I said, you know, <laughs> it's nine in, I said, you know, it's nine in the morning. <laughs> and he just, hello, Mr. Forrest. Yeah. Well, that's when you need it the most. <laughs> yeah. But, duh. but when you're a drug counselor, you don't know if you're acting like you're permitting that. You feel obligated to say something. And I said, Chuck, what would you have done in that moment? I said, you know, it's nine in the morning. That's all I said. I didn't say anything negative, like you're an alcoholic, but it is nine in the morning. <laughs> yeah, you know, you might want to look at that. <laughs> you know, that's something you might want to take a look at. <laughs> I wonder how many kids that lived at the movie shop ended up in AA. I know my son did. How, how many kids that lived there ended up in 12-step rooms? Well, all, you know, all of them? If, if, if all of them were the one in 10, you know, so... Either they got sober. I, I don't know how many. I knew a lot of people that, that cleaned up around 22, Chuck, 23. Did you I just ever couldn't. hear of the, No, they got, Elijah got cleaned up when he's 32, 33. What, uh, did you ever hear of this place called the Booby Trap, Chuck? No, I knew of a band called Booby Trap, but not a home. Yeah, it was a home. It was like nine kids lived in it in padlocked bedrooms and closets. Some of them had closets subletted out. So you'd rent a room, but it had a big closet, so they'd sublet the closet. It sounds like a cool place to to, to base a movie or a TV show on. Oh yeah, that might be a thing. But um, but yeah, that that movie try. I think they had real concerts there, right, Mike? Like bands, touring bands played there. I don't know. I thought they just had party stuff. So getting back to Elvis. He's doing that thing now. Don't pull up in front of the school. That's when you know they're a teenager. Like it just happened like three weeks ago because he's going to this new school he loves and he's got his whole thing going on. Uh, sweatshirts and hoodies are very big right now. Chuck and Pomona. I don't know if you're, mm. if it's popular in Huntington. 
hoodies All right, now it's hot. Pomona. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter how fucking hot. It's been 100 degrees. He's got that fucking hoodie on. So the kids are sweating for fashion already, huh? So so about three weeks ago, I'm pulling up. We're a little bit late. I try to get there early. Um, we're pulling up. It's a little bit late, and there's a long drop-off line. And I just turned left on 2nd Street, and I said, you can get out here. And the next day, he said, yeah, do that thing you did yesterday. <laughs> so that mm-hmm. and now it's the routine. Like, I'm not pulling up to the school. I'm turning on the street before. I'm pulling up so that you can't see him get out of a car. And he's ascending into the school with his hair, his hoodie, and his backpack. With a His backpack has a, has a stereo in it, remember? I told you guys. Mm-hmm. And the... And they, the teachers are so cool at his school. They hook up their Bluetooth to it and play music in the classroom through through Elvis's backpack. <laughs> it's a cool well, school. It, he has. I mean, you're talking about in 2023 where we don't value art or music or anything in this society and education. Elvis has instrumental jazz music. He plays piano in the jazz band. He has. He has musical theater class. He has visual arts class. How how many schools in Southern California have that? Zero? None? I mean, it's crazy. So it was open house and I, I, you know, I'm, I am, people say I'm a good parent. I don't, I don't think I, I think I'm not a very good parent. I think I'm a good dad, which is different, but, but I'm not a good parent because I don't like all the things you have to do as a parent. So I the, it was open house and and Elvis wanted me to meet the you know are you going I was like I'm going I'm just a little late and so I get there and I went to the homeroom I met the homeroom uh, teacher it was very nice and then I was just like looking around all the parents and they got all their lists and you had to screen shoot one of those black things to know what your kid's schedule was I'm not good mm-hmm. with those things so I knew he's in music room so I just went in the music room talked to the music teacher and then I laughed. And then I told Elvis that I, yeah, I went to the whole open house. I just actually met his homework <laughs> teacher and his music teacher. It was too complicated. Well, <laughs> it was too complicated. You, you got there and you had to screen shoot that thing. You know what I mean? And it tells I you. Do. You just put yeah, it in your camera. Kind of and- just fucking print out where you're supposed to go. Why is everything oh, got my- technology? <laughs> Why are you so old? No, you have to. No, but then <laughs> you have to. Dude, you have to create an account. I don't want an account. And then you have to remember a password. You got to have a password. Uh, like, to just go to open house. No, just give me a fucking sheet of paper that tells me where I'm supposed to go. I'm going to be here an hour. <laughs> That's it. So, no, I, 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 totally get it. I totally get that. When you go to a restaurant and they go, Do you want a paper menu? Oh, yes, I do. Then Even get this. Can- then open house for Sid is the same time. Elvis's was four to six. Sydney's was six. So we go to that one right from, so I timed it. I left here at like five, went down to Elvis's school, stayed there for 40 minutes, went to Sid's. I got there a little late to Sid's. They're all going around the class and the, uh, the parents are all saying what they did this summer. And I was like, should I really what? tell them what I did this summer? Holy shit. You really want to hear about drugs and DCFS and the tax guys? I felt like they needed a dose of reality. Like it took so long to get to me. I was like, am I going to do it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. And then, uh, and then I pushed out at the end and just said, Oh, you know, whatever. It's great to be here. 
school and da da da. But I mean, like I I've never lived in the suburbs like this. Like people really do think that other people are interested in what they did this summer. It's fucking yeah. weird. <laughs> Like, well, I'm from Hollywood. Nobody cares about anything. You open your mouth, they're like, shut up. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? They would never, at a hot mic, at a Hollywood school, they would never ask you, so how was your summer at open house? They're just like, get in, get out. I remember when Elijah was in school. They didn't give a fuck what we did this summer. They're like, you know, here's your bus pass. You know, like, that's it. It's just mechanics of education. Not like, can everybody share what they did this summer? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's, it's, that's painstaking. I don't, I don't. Did they do that in Huntington Beach? Like, share their summer at the open house? No, but, you know, with, at the open with house? Special, edu special education, it's a little different. We have more communication with the teachers on a regular basis. Bob, that's grammar school, though. That's not like high yeah, school. Yeah. Elvis doesn't have to do that, but probably Sydney, right? Yeah, they wanted to know what the summer looked like. They Whatever. wanted to know. They usually make them write a little essay type of thing on what you did this summer. Oh, no, they, this you know, teacher is cool. She had us write a letter to Sydney that she would read this morning. The next day? Cool. Yeah. 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 Oh, you've had that? Oh, I yeah, that's. I thought this teacher invented it. Thanks, Chuck. Oh, oh they, they, I, I've never heard of that. What are you talking about? Oh, it, it is, it's cool to to go. It's like it's almost like hiding Easter eggs because they're going to come to school the next day and they get to know that you were at their desk, that you now know their room, and you know where they. Yeah, but sit. this is what this is what I'm saying about these kids don't give a fuck. So when I picked it up today, I said, "Hey, did you see that letter me and Mama wrote you?" And she's like, "Yeah." I said, what did you think? Was did, did you like it? And she's like, yeah. I said, did you, did you keep it? And she's like, no. Why? I was like, <laughs> and she said, she said, was I supposed to? I was like, yeah. well, it was sentimental and I'm going to be dead someday and you're going to want to read that. But if you want to leave it behind, but if you want to leave it behind and throw it in the trash, I guess I guess I that's do. the new that's the new <laughs> generation. Boy, oh boy. Don't care about <laughs> hey Chuck, nope. how was your week in Hawaii? Chuck no, was dude, in Hawaii, was, you know that, Bob. I know. That's why. I, that's that's why I'm. That's why I'm spent, man. It was fantastic. We did the hell out of Kauai this time. We did not do. We didn't sit still. Did we, you go we, to the? Did you go to the top of the volcano? That takes all day. Um, we, we went up country with Hiawana. What is it called? Hiawana, he, he, who, uh, you were on, <laughs> you were on Kauai, you were on Kauai. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big mountain there. It's like, oh, you're yeah, supposed to climb to the top of it. Oh no, 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 no. We went, we went over the, we went up probably a thousand No, Bob, you're thinking on, of Maui the, because the Maui, Maui has, Maui. has Haleakala. Yeah, Haleakala. That's on Maui. It takes all fucking day to drive up there, and it's very disappointing because it's above the clouds. All you're looking at is clouds like you're on an airplane. <laughs> like, what the fuck is the right. point of this? <laughs> oh, I loved it. I thought it was interesting as all. Was it out. clear when you were up there? Yeah, I, it was clear and then, sunny. Because then I told people, we went up there, it's all clouds all the way around. Like, it's like being on an airplane. We fucking took all day. That's a long <laughs> drive up there. Well, couldn't you have called somebody and said, hey, What's the conditions up there? <laughs> well, you know, there? not there because I'm changes. sure it's on an app. I could have gotten an app, and I would have known. Right. God no, damn you know, these apps! Well, How many apps do you think there are in the world in existence, Chuck? 
10 uh, million, 10 million. Would, I'll bet. I bet I you there's think. 10 million apps. There's an app for open house at Elvis's middle school. Yeah. You know what? One of my favorite apps is if you go across country, they got an app that'll talk about the the history of the whole while you're driving. It'll be over your radio and you'll be like, you know, over to the your left because they got GPS. They know exactly where you are. Over to your left, that mountain range was originally inhabited by the blah, blah, blah. Indians. See, that sounds like a good app that I'd want to get, but that sucks you into the app world. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking mm-hmm. for other apps. I'm just anti-app. I'm anti-app. Yeah, the only, no the, only, the only thing we used was, you know, driving guidance. Because every every highway on Kauai starts with a five. And oh, you, you know go who, I, I realize I can tell a story that that uh, is kind of telling about our family. that Because Chrissy has never listened to this podcast. So Chrissy keeps talking before we go there about this beautiful... A lavender farm, right? Oh, we got to go to the lavender farm. No, the lavender farm, lavender farm. Talk about it for months beforehand. It's on the schedule of things. We're going to that region to go to the yoga retreat. It's the lavender farms there. And we go to the lavender farm. It was the boringest fucking place we ever been to. And Chrissy, (laughs) Chrissy herself said, yeah, this is kind of boring. I don't know what I thought. Because she had gone there as like a 10-year-old and it was exciting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, that was the adventure. That's you know, when you're ten, you're on an adventure and something's new. The you're lavender like, farm. Our, Did you guys third... go to the lavender farm, Chuck? No, this is this is our third third time to Kauai uh, together, me and Amy, and we're going to do a different island. I won't do Oahu ever again, but we we need to do it again. Uh, but a, a different island. We've really run out of things to see and do, although it's Whoa. super relaxing. I don't think you know people are staying away from Maui, but they should be going over there and spending their money because only a small part of Maui burned. It's over by on the Lahaina side. There's a whole state park that's completely Nelson. There's like Ana. There's like Haia. There's Haleakua. Ah, yeah. Where does Willie Nelson live? He lives on Maui, right? He lives in Texas. I just, I just, where does Willie Nelson live? Uh, he doesn't he doesn't know um he's two years old what does he know uh, <laughs> no doesn't, i don't want to say anything willie but your nelson, kid's a little slow if he doesn't because i know i know all the rock stars live on one island i think it's maui right i don't know a, a lot of them a lot of them do it's it's the best yeah. of both worlds it's still kind of gardeny but it's not it's not oahu and waikiki and honolulu and all that and it's noise. got an airport Got an airport. So, so does a Kauai. I went to the one that the Lakers used to do their their spring training at, whatever island that was. I think we went to two islands. I don't know. I hated every minute of it myself. God damn, Bob! <laughs> I did. The only good part, the only good part was Elvis went out on a raft and he and he got caught in the current. And he started to go further and further away. And I watched <laughs> him. No, because he was a very scared kid. And I watched him work his way back. And we were coaching him. And I was swimming out to him. And I watched him. There it is. Elvis, remember when you got torn out to sea in, in, in Hawaii? I didn't get torn. I was just swimming. And then two guys were like, hey, your dad is saying you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah. Yep. He's claiming that he, there was no danger. <laughs> I was that's, frantic that's myself. 
He's like five years old. He's out in the middle of the ocean going away from the shore, Chuck. How would you yeah. feel? Oh, no, I know. All right, I shut the door. Shut the door. All right, let's get out of here because Chuck's okay. got to get to sleep. No, we got to do another podcast. We got to we gotta get the Ohana Fest. Uh, we, <laughs> I don't think so. Listen, Ohana Fest is going to bomb unless we start promoting it. They've got hardly anybody playing. They got the only the <laughs> Foo Fighters, the Pretenders, Eddie Vedder, the Killers. The killers right. can the killers can play SoFi Stadium probably. What the hell are they doing? I don't know. I don't know, anyway. but I can't wait to see it. You know what? It's the Pretenders only US uh only US concert too. Do we She's, know if Johnny Marr is gonna play with her? I have no she, idea. She is the most amazing. She's she what about really an great. icon? What see? There are there are certain rock stars that can pull it off without doing a bunch of flower pots. She is one. Um, Liam Gallagher is another. Liam Gallagher is probably the greatest rock star on earth, right? The greatest living rock star, Liam Gallagher. Then he doesn't you, pretend to be humble. <laughs> he does not. There is not any humility. I think humility is a negative term to him. I think if somebody said, hey, Liam, you're really humble, he would punch them in the face. Yeah, I think that would be the response. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. All right, so go to sleep, Chuck. You went to Hawaii. You're tired. Yeah. Well, you know what? We we got in at like 10, 10 o'clock, and then it was like another hour before we got to our car because the way LAX is a mess right now. And then it was uh, near 1 o'clock when we got home. It's not a mess if you park in the right across parking that's sixty dollars a day. I always do that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I know we, we, we park well, no, and get settled in. Well, there's well, no, 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 Chuck. You're you're just too honest a person, Chuck. <laughs> so what I do, I I'm just gonna this is the last tip, Mike, and then we can go. Okay. So what you do is you park right next to your terminal in the sixty dollar a day parking. Then what you do is you go put your luggage up into your car, you go back to where people are pulling in. And when they're pulling in, you find somebody cool looking like us or like knows what's up or junkie or, you know, like a total, <laughs> you know, you know, you look for somebody that's a little bit mischievous, Stone. mischievous. Stone. And, you, and they're pulling in and they're about to get their ticket. And you say, hey, can I give you 20 bucks for that ticket? I'm telling oh. you. And then you pull right out and you don't pay anything. I'm sorry. Uh, Eric Garcetti that I gave away the secret of parking at LAX but that's the way you do it who, because the person what the person has to do is just pull forward a little bit and then back out I coach them on what to do then they back out into the street a little bit and then it goes down and then they pull up and get their ticket and they made 20 bucks and I got parking for free is that wrong wow. to do in sobriety is that so, wrong <laughs> you, you put the ticket on your car and then you park you put the ticket on your car and then you park for three days. No, no, no. no. You get it when he you come like back. You just when in. you come back, yeah. you act like you just pulled in. You made oh. a mistake. Oh, I don't want to park here. I always say, "Where's Lot A? I don't want to be here. Where's Lot A?" And they just take the mm -hmm. ticket and raise the thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Chuck parked in Lot A and couldn't get out there for an hour. Hey, you know what the <laughs> best? Hey, you know what the best thing is, Bob? Is get a ride from a friend. That's what I always say. Yeah, I live in Claremont. I don't have any friend that that loves me that much. When you live in Long Beach, it's like 15 minutes. Yeah, you can find somebody. 
Well, I fly out of uh, Long Beach Airport. It's great. Oh, yeah. Long Beach is, is a nice airport. So is Burbank for that. Yeah, Burbank's great, too. I did the dumbest yeah. thing because it was cheaper. Fly out of Ontario to Florida, but the cheaper flight coming back was to LAX, and I figured I could figure this all out. It was a fucking disaster. It was wrong because my car was at Ontario. And we <laughs> <to> LAX. <laughs> it was wrong. It was dumb. It was dumb. All right, everybody. Let's sign off. Thank you very much, everybody. It's been such a long time since you get it right. Bye bye. Bye. All right, bye guys. See you, Chuck. Bye, See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>